exhortation tonight, and uh, my heart was geared towards friends. How many friends do I have in here tonight? Oh, look at all the friends. Isn't it wonderful to have friends in the Lord and to have the fellowship of the Spirit? I could just feel the Spirit's fellowship in here tonight. Well, you know, I was raised in a Catholic church when I was a little girl. And in the Catholic church, you were taught reverence. And that's a good thing that they teach us, reverence. But there's, it, it feels like there's so much protocol to get to the Lord. It's almost as though you'd be seeing the Queen of England. And I'm like, you know, as, after I got saved, I was like, wow, I can actually get close to God, that He's not just this supernatural deity uh, somewhere that I have to make the sign of the cross and do this many prayers and do all of this just to kind of get close to Him. But He's a God that wants to get to know us. Amen? And so I want to talk about some friendship tonight. And there, there's times, you know, that we reverence and awe at God because He's so majestic. But God wants to be our friend, too. Do you know that it said that Abraham was called a friend of God? i got a lot of echo. Hallelujah. Y'all get to hear this twice. Um, <laughs> and so Jesus uh, is telling his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 15, he's telling his disciples that uh, he's no longer going to call them servants, but he's going to call them friends. And I think becoming a friend of God is a promotion. Amen? When we come to the Lord and we receive the Lord, we say, I have decided that I am going to serve God. Isn't that our decision? And we serve the Lord. But God wants you to get to the point where you're not just serving Him, but you get to the intimacy where He's your friend. You know, Jesus and I, we go to Walmart, we do things together. And when we go to Walmart and I'm in a rush, I'll say, Lord, I need a parking space that's up close. And it never fails. I'll just, I just directly go up close because I'm expecting that. And sure enough, somebody's got the brake lights on, fixing to back out. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. And, and what's neat is when you have your kids with you and you do that. And, and just watch, baby, just watch how this unfolds because of the favor of the Lord, because he's my friend, you know, and he's going he's gonna to usher some people around and move some things around for his friends, amen. And I love living that kind of life. In John 15, 15, it says this, Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. Wow. And so, Jesus promotes his disciples. They had been serving him. They had joined themselves to him, and they were serving him. And now he says, you know what? Now, since you've served me so well, I'm going to promote you to friendship, to a different type of relationship. And you know what? Friends, and this is in the natural, friends, what do they do? Friends tell each other secrets, don't they? And good friends keep secrets. Amen? Bad friends don't keep a good secret. But friends tell each other secrets. And he says this. He says, all the things that my father tells me, I'm going to tell you. Do you know that still 
holds true. Everything the Father has told Jesus, you have the access to know the mysteries and the secret things of God. Wow. You can know everything Jesus knows. He said that he would tell us those things. But you have to serve him with all your heart. And you have to establish that relationship with him. And you have to grow in that relationship with him. I want more revelations from him. And that comes through that friendship. You know what else friends do? They visit each other. How often do we sit and visit with the Lord? Or we take him to Walmart or take him to wherever we're going. Take him with you. Act like he's a friend that you would talk to face to face. I I act like I talk to myself sometimes. I wonder what drivers are thinking when they're passing by, but I'm just talking to Jesus. It's wonderful to have that kind of relationship. That's what he wants you to have. You know what else friends do? Friends give advice to one another. Mm. And you know what? Jesus wants to give you some advice. He wants you to ask his advice on some things, and he wants to give you his advice. Amen? Servants, on the other hand, you know what? Servants, they don't know what their boss is doing. They don't know what the master is doing because he does not display all his intimate details and his plans and his business plans To the servant, he's not going to tell the servant what he's about to do, but he'll tell his friends what he's about to do. Amen? And so he says, no longer are you going to be servants because servants are just task-oriented and their obedience is their focus, which we need to be obedient to the Lord. But that is the focus of a servant is how can I just obey? Friends, they have a different focus. They are less concerned about the disobeying and they are more concerned about the disappointing. Isn't that true? We don't want to disappoint our friends, do we? Well, I don't want to disappoint Jesus. And you know, we're going to be like those that we run with. Examine. Take a, take a back look at your friends. You're, you are just like them. If there's things that you don't like about them, you know, you better examine and say, do I really want to be a friend with this person? Is this person worthy of my friendship? Amen? Jesus' disciples' focus shifted from the commandments to the presence. Amen? We have to obey the commandments. But when we're focused on just obeying the commandments, we miss out on the presence. But if you'll focus on the presence, the commandments come easy, doesn't it? And from assignments, just going through the motions, gotta get, gotta do this, I gotta do my Bible reading, gotta go to church, I gotta, you know, I gotta, gotta, gotta. Instead of just the assignment, it's a focus on a relationship with Him. They're, they were discovering how to please Him. And that's what we're trying to discover. How can we please the Lord? Relationships. Relationships, you know, are the most important things that we can have in life. It is the only thing that we can take to heaven. And people break relationships off because of stuff. And stuff can't get to heaven. We can't take the stuff with us. And so we lose a valuable relationship over stuff. 
We're fighting in the wrong direction. And so we need to think, well, is this stuff more valuable than the relationship? And we need to weigh that in the balance. Some relationships, I do have to admit, are totally impossible. Some you'll never make work, no matter how hard you try. But when we walk in the fruit of the Spirit, it helps our end of the deal work out right. Amen? There was a little cartoon, and in this little cartoon drawing, it had uh, this bandit, and he had a mask on like the Lone Ranger, and he had this guy at gunpoint, and he said, Give me all your valuables. Put them in the sack. And then the next clip, it shows the guy putting all his friends in the sack because that was his most valuables. And that's how it should be. Our most prized possession is our relationships. I learned that, especially when my brother died. Nothing can replace that relationship that I have with my brother. And I miss him so much. And there's times I think, I should have done this and I should have done that. Because it's the most important thing is that relationship. That's what we have to cherish. And so I want to encourage you with that. In the ladies' mentoring group, that's what it's about. It's where you can bond and find a relationship, a friend. The couple's connection where you can go out as a couple and bond with another couple, talk, visit. The young at heart where you can get with people and visit because we need friends. Amen? And the problem that I find sometimes is that we are too busy to have friends. We don't have time. But we desperately need friends. And I want to encourage you, if you uh, don't have friends, be friendly and make friends because you need that in your life. You really do. You know, in the old days... Uh, They had the women that would can, and they would get together and can. And they would have their quilting clubs, and they would get together and quilt. And uh, the midwives would come, and the babies were born, and they would all these women were taking care of the babies and taking care of the new mama. And, And the men, the men would go out hunting together, and that they would form together. They would feed the animals together and do chores together, Uh, especially like on a ranch. All the ranch hands, the men worked together. And there's something that, that, that has happened in our society that we, we don't do that anymore. And women, you need a woman friend. And men, you need a man friend. And that's not to take priority over the, the married relationship because first of all comes your spouse. But every now and then you need to get together with someone of your same sex. And I find in marriages sometimes there's been problems because We haven't, girls, we haven't got our chit-chat out. And the husband comes home and we just, yuck, 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 And the new shoes and, oh, I want this. And you know what? Your husband, your husband's not interested. It's a wake-up call. He's not interested in those shoes. But your girlfriend is. And that's who you need to talk about. You need to, the girl, talk with your girlfriend. Girlfriends, come on. You need that. And so what happens is your feelings get hurt with your spouse because he's not interested in what you're interested in. Right? Your spouse is not there for that. There's different interests that you have together. There's a different bond of love that you share together. And shoes, you're not interested. 
Ladies, you're not interested in that buck with so many points that he saw when he went hunting. We don't care. But he does. He needs a buddy that he can share that with. Amen? And then there's things that you have in common as a couple. And those are the things that you cherish and you share together. And so we've gotten our feelings hurt a lot of times because we thought they weren't interested. They can't be interested in that. We need somebody that we can talk to that has the same hormones that I have. And a man don't have my hormones. He won't understand. And men, you have hormones too. And you need somebody to talk about. You need accountability is what you need. (laughs) Amen. I thought I'd meddle just a little bit. Amen. But you need somebody that... That, that you can talk to on your level. Amen? I'm going to be real tonight. Amen? We're going to have real fun. So anyway, that's what happens. You know, the man comes home and he's gone, he's been to Lowe's and he saw this great lawnmower. And he is telling his wife about the lawnmower and the grill. And the Super Bowl is tonight. Oh, my. And you're all here. I'm so impressed. You know, some men, they don't care about the Super Bowl, but some men do. And their wives don't. They hate the Super Bowl. Why do they hate the Super Bowl? Because it takes them away from their man. When you need to let, you need to let him have that time with his buddies. And you go do something fun with your buddies. Every now and then it's okay. Balance is the key, amen? Because then that creates a whole different other arena of fighting. Remember the song that Randy Travis sang a long time ago, and one section of that song says, oh, men sit and talk about the weather, and oh, women sit and talk about oh, men. (laughs) We still need that today. Amen? We need that friendship. Sometimes we've been hurt by a friend, and so we decide, I don't want no more friends. That don't work, so I'm going to isolate myself. You know what? God has created us communicative beings. And if you isolate yourself and you cannot communicate those deep things that are within you, you are going to lose your joy and you are going to have voids in your life. Because we weren't created to isolate ourselves. We were created for fellowship. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you with that. If you've been hurt, the best thing you can do is forgive. You know, forgiveness is God's gift to you to set you free. It doesn't matter what the other person did, and it doesn't matter how bad it was. We don't weigh that in the balance, whether it was sort of bad and really bad. We've got to learn to forgive. I remember uh, when Cody was a little boy. This is one of my favorite little stories. You know, you all have your little kids' stories. They say the darnest things. And so we were at some friend's house, and... We were having supper, and the kids were eating in the kitchen, we were eating in the dining room, and all of a sudden, we hear the kids fighting. Now, it was Gabriel, Cody, and Danny, and they were all a year apart. And I guess Cody must have been about five at the time. And so we hear them fighting, we go in there, and I said, Now, Cody, you have to ask his forgiveness. You tell him, say, I forgive you. And so... Cody did. He says, I forgive you. And so I turned around and went back into the dining room. A few minutes later, I heard 
uh, Danny screaming. So I go back in there and I'm like, what's happening? Cody punched me. I said, Cody, why did you punch him? He says, because he wouldn't forgive me. <laughs> I love that story. You're going to forgive me. <laughs> so don't give up on your friends. Amen. Forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. That's forgiveness. Isn't that good? In Psalms 41, flip over there with me. Psalms chapter 41 and verse 9. Let's talk a little bit about what friends are capable of. Psalms 41 verse 9 says, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Have you ever had that experience? where a very close, trusted, and familiar friend has done something that has hurt you. David had this, and most of the Psalms, when David talks about the things that has happened to him, they're prophetic parallels of the same things that happened to Jesus. And Jesus had the same thing happen to him. The friend that he ate bread with, lifted up his heel against him or turned on him or betrayed him. So we see that type of Christ in that. Um, In Proverbs 6, verse 1, we're going to be scanning around in the Proverbs tonight, and I was thinking about how God just totally downloaded Solomon with so much wisdom. And he wrote the Proverbs, And it was direct revelation from God because God had given him the gift of wisdom. And so we can glean from that. And I just want to give you a few nuggets on some friendship ideas here. It says in Proverbs 6, verse 1, My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared. With the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. It says, I want to encourage you that this word surety here, and I don't want anybody to be upset with me for saying this, the word surety means a cosigner. It means a braid and an intermix. It means business dealings. And you know, people go in business together with their friends. And as I read this, in my Bible, in verse 1, the second if is italicized. So I just took it out. And it said, if you be surety for thy friend, thou hast stricken hands with a stranger. And I thought to myself, if you go in business with a friend, that friend will become a stranger because it never works. If you cherish the relationship of your friendship, don't go in business together. Because business and friendship doesn't always mix. That's just a word of wisdom. We've seen it happen so many times in the body of Christ. People become close friends and they think it'll work. And it falls through. Pastor was given that story this morning. Actually, I was writing this message yesterday. And I looked up and I said, 
Now, how long did it take them, that couple that we were talking about before they had to move back? I said, I want to use that story. He looked at me and says, I'm using that story. I said, well, great minds think alike. <laughs> and so he says, well, use it, you know. And I'm like, they, they were best of friends. They loved being together. They did everything together. But they couldn't work together, you see. So friendship and work doesn't always uh, mix. So I just encourage you, don't go in business with your friend. Amen. A friend means strong emotional attachment for and a desire to be in the presence of the object of love. Another word for friend is loyal. David and Jonathan had a special friendship where they were loyal to each other. Uh, They were true friends. In Proverbs 16, flip a little bit there, 16.28 says, A forward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. That word forward there means somebody who loves to spread gossip and rumors about others. You know, if they gossip to you about somebody else, then they're going to gossip to somebody else about you. So that's one of the key things you have to look for. Are they a gossip? I don't need this friendship if they're a gossip. They they turn about or over, they change, pervert, and they are to be contrary. Have you ever met somebody who's contrary? That's another key. Where it says he soweth it, it means he sends it forth and he separates best friends. Now, best friends ought to know each other well enough to not let anything like that come between that relationship. But it's a shame to say that these forward people will separate even best friends. I thought I knew my friend better than that, but it's because they believe the lie. Amen? So be careful when people try to sow that type of discord, those that are contrary, those that like to get a rise out of you. If you've been around people that they just love to get a rise out of you. They like to use you as a sounding board to make themselves feel good and to build up their ego. And they never seem to get the story right. It always comes back and it makes you look foolish. Those are the friends that you don't need. Amen? Be careful with that kind of uh, of a person. Zechariah uh 13.6, if you flip there or write it down, Zechariah 13.6. This is a powerful scripture. Brought tears to my eyes. Zechariah 13.6, that's a hard book to find. But it says this, And one shall say unto you, What are these wounds in thine hand? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Oh, my. Do you know that when we are wounded, if we don't deal with the wounds that happen to us, if we don't forgive and let the Lord heal those broken areas of our heart, then our wounds will be showing. And this is also a type of Christ. What are the wounds in my hands? And the word friends is used in irony meaning 
It's the wounds that I got in the house of my friends. That's what that scripture means. My, they were supposed to be my friends. And this is what I got in the house of my friends. We all go through things like that, don't we? And if our wounds don't get dealt with, our wounds will show. Uh, in Proverbs, flip back over to Proverbs, in our wisdom book, Proverbs 27, verse 6. Twenty-seven six says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Wow, what a scripture. You know, there's been many good friendships that have been broken because of wounds, the wounds of a friend. Some wounds that a friend gives is not worth breaking the relationship over. Not all wounds are supposed to terminate a friendship. Some wounds that a friend gives can actually be constructive criticism and it can be beneficial to you. These are the friendships that you should cherish. You don't cherish the backstabber and the betrayer and the gossiper. But if your friend from his heart is trying to save you some hurt, that's a good friend and you need that relationship. A lot of times we get offended because they hurt our feelings or they didn't take our side. And so we break that relationship off when that was a good friend, you see. We spank our kids. We still can spank our kids in this country. We spank our kids. That doesn't mean that they need to terminate that relationship with us as parents because we're not good parents if we spank them. Those are good wounds. Those are constructive criticism and good wounds for our children. And so are the faithful wounds of a friend when it's done with a right heart. But the kisses, it says, of the enemy, they're deceitful. And you need the spirit of discernment to know when it's a kiss of the enemy. A friend who will kindly tell you of your mistakes and your faults is not destructive, but rather helpful and faithful. But the one who flatters and kisses, proclaiming everything to be wonderful and well, when reality it's not, is said by God to be deceitful and therefore an enemy. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because I really want y'all to pay attention to the good friends and the bad friends. I don't want you to go down the wrong path. Matthew 26, you don't have to turn there, 2649 talks about when Judas came and gave Jesus a kiss. It says he, he came to Jesus and he said, Hail, Master, and he gives him a kiss. And the next verse says, Jesus says, Friend, where are you coming from? See, the kisses of the enemy, the betrayal. Um, the kisses of the enemy is that a, they appear to wish you health and happiness, but something else is in their heart. Babies, they say, this was a good st- statistic, babies at three months old begin to smile, don't they? And, and what's amazing is you can see these little babies in the grocery store. If you look at that little baby and you smile and you attempt to talk to that little baby, that little baby smiles. You know why? Because in their little mind, they think you are celebrating them. 
That's what they think. Somebody's celebrating me. It's all about me right now. I'm being celebrated, you know. And so they show a little happy smile. And that's how we need to treat our friends. We need to celebrate that relationship that we have with our friends. Amen? Hallelujah. We watched the other night, Sherry David lent me the worst of American Idol. And I watched it. It was terrible. It was terrible. They can't, they couldn't sing. I mean, first graders probably did better than some of them. It was just horrible. But they go in and they start to sing and it's just the worst thing you've ever heard. And the judges are outright direct. Man, the judges just say, you have the worst voice I've ever heard in my entire life. You can't sing. You don't need to sing ever again. And if you took singing lessons, you need to go get a refund. I mean, they were saying direct things like this that hurt their feelings and they were crying. But you know what they were trying to do? The judges were trying to keep them from making a fool out of themselves because they couldn't sing. And they were trying to discourage them to the point that they would give up singing altogether because this is not your gifting. But when they would walk out of there after being so rejected, so rejected, the mama was out there and the best friend was out there saying, Don't worry, baby. We know you got talent. We know you can sing. Don't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. And I thought to myself, why are they lying to that person? (laughs) They are lying. Why don't they have a true friend that will tell them the truth? Some of them said, well, my friend said I sing good. She lied. (laughs) That's not a good friend. But you know what? All the good friends that told them they didn't sing good are no longer their friends because faithful are the wounds of a friend. That was the good friend, and they terminated the relationship because she wasn't for me. Do you understand what I'm trying to say, people? Come on. We have to grow up. We have to be able to take it. A a wise man takes criticism, and he uses it to build on. Amen? Now, I'm not encouraging you to go criticize everybody. But we can speak the truth in love to grow. Amen? God forbid that we stay where we are if we're doing something that's ignorant. Amen? (laughs) Woo, I got somebody reading for me. Praise the Lord. But anyway, that, that, that little video just, it just woke me up to the truth and how people will lie to their friends. You don't need friendships like that. When they kiss you and say everything's just right and it's not, that's not a true friend. Tell me the truth. I've had people come for counseling and they'll even tell pastors and say, Oh, your wife, she told me she told me some truth. She hit some soft spots. Well, I'm not gonna sit there and lie to you. I've gotta tell you the truth. Amen? That's what you came for, I hope. Amen. Psalms fifty five, let's Let's flip over to Psalms 55. Verses 12 through 14. Now, this is talking about 
the relationship that David had with Ahithophel. They were friends, and things didn't kind of work out too good. Psalm 55, 12 through 14. It says, and this is a familiar passage of Scripture, it says, For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man, mine equal, my God, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. You know, there's people that quit church because of broken relationships with other Christians. David went through it. Jesus went through it. You know where it says, mine equal? This is a type of Christ because it says, it wasn't an enemy and it wasn't somebody that was after me, but it was my equal. And that word equal is equivalent to Jesus and Judas because Judas was the only disciple from the tribe of Judah like Jesus. Mine equal. My guide and my acquaintance. That acquaintance goes from acquaintance to feeling like you're a relative and feeling like you're a friend. And then it says this. We took sweet counsel together. You know that word counsel? One of the words is a couch. I know that doesn't quite make sense, but bear with me. A couch where you lay around with your friends. They laid around together. They took counsel together. And that word counsel there means friendly conversation. It means lying on the couch and having a friendly conversation. You don't do that with just anybody, do you? This friend betrayed David and hurt him. And they went to the house of God together. They worshiped together. And so don't leave church because somebody has hurt you. That's not a reason to leave the house of God just because some person let you down. And I don't know if that could have been, I don't know all the details of that offense, I don't know if it could have been a restored relationship. Christians ought to know that you got to forgive each other and how to restore relationships. Amen? If it doesn't work out to be in the buddy system anymore, you still have to love that person. Amen? Okay. Um, and so we see that this is a type of Christ because it was concerning Judas. And it said, my chosen, and Jesus actually chose Judas also. Proverbs 27. Verse 17 says this. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You know, it takes an iron file to sharpen an axe. So... It takes a man, listen friend, a man with strong courage, holy ambition, and with a strong moral and spiritual life to sharpen or affect the lives of his friends and others. Boy, that's hard. 
it takes courage. Sometimes we don't always want to speak up because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. But it takes courage to speak the right thing to sharpen the countenance of your friend. Amen? John 11:11. you don't have to turn there, but it's the passage of Jesus and Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Lazarus had, has died. And he waited a little while before he went. And Mary and Martha could have been very upset because there's actually a little comment made in there. What took you so long? You know, you're my friend and where were you when I needed you? Does that sound familiar? My friend let me down. I was in a desperate situation and you weren't there for me. And it says that the mourners were there. And there was these Jewish mourners and they were crying. And they, it says that they were comforting Mary. And she hears that Jesus is getting closer. And she leaves those comforters. And she runs to meet Jesus because there's nothing like the comfort of your friend. And Jesus was their friend. All other people that come and feel sorry for you and pat you on the back and cry with you, that's nice. But there's nothing like the comfort of a friend. And Mary ran to get that comfort that she needed in that situation. She could have stayed upset. Some people get upset with Jesus today because they expect him to react the way they want it to happen. And he didn't react the way I wanted it. And so I'm upset with Jesus. But, you know, Jesus is a true friend, and there's a reason for everything that he does, just like there was a reason for his delay in coming to, to see Lazarus. Amen? Sometimes we don't know his reasonings. But it also says in verse 35, it says that he wept. There's our famous scripture, Jesus wept. Now, I've heard a lot of people tell why he wept. But you know why he wept? Because he sees what grief does to us. And he sees that grief is because of sin brought on the human race. And there's, we don't know what to do with grief. That's one of the things we don't know how to handle too good. We were not created to ever grieve. We were created to live forever. So grief is just quite not in our DNA. We don't know how to handle that. And when Jesus saw, it says, the Bible says he was acquainted with grief. When he saw what grief does, and the reason we have grief is because of sin, that it caused him to weep. Amen? And this was also symbolic of how Jesus would also be raised from the dead, just like Lazarus would be raised from the dead. Amen? It was funny how they used the napkin and the, the what do you call it, swaddle, I don't, it's not swaddling cloth, whatever they wrap the, the dead bodies in, burial cloth, uh, that they explained in the story of Lazarus and how when you get to Jesus' tomb, you see the same things. Uh, okay, who do we have communion with? Who are we having fellowship with? Who are our friends? He wants to give us the desires of our heart. Did you know that he wants to be that friend that gives you the desire of your heart? And if he had friends when he was here, that means Jesus likes friends. And how many friends 
I'm a friend of God. Are you a friend of God? Okay. Friends know what kind of gifts to give their friends, don't they? They're close enough in relationship to give just a perfect gift. And even today, some of the guys got together and got Pastor uh, these 10 signs, but it's John Wayne, and it's full of all of these wonderful words of honor and loyalty and courage and all these leadership qualities and character qualities that he had. And that's Pastor's favorite things, anything on character and leadership and anything Western. And that was a combination of the two. And his friends knew that that's what he liked. I'm so glad he didn't get a poster of a NASCAR because that's not what he likes. Friends know what friends like. Amen? And so the Lord specializes in giving us the desires of our heart because he knows what we like. Amen? We were at uh, the Bobby Jindal inauguration, prayer inauguration, and when we got back to the hotel, we had turned the TV on, and uh, we were watching Jimmy Swaggart's ministry, and Donnie Swaggart, his son, was preaching, and I'd never heard him preach before. And so we're watching him preach, and at the end of the message, they had this Bible that was available, and I mean, we were standing there, we had just walked in, and we're standing there, and we're watching this, and uh, I didn't have time to write anything down, but I... In my heart, I said, oh, I would love to have that Bible. And I left it at that. I I think I told Pastor, I said, man, that would be a good Bible to get. It impressed me. So anyway, the the following Saturday, I decided to go to uh, Brother Ray and Sister Eunice's flea market in Tioga. I'm giving you advertisement, Brother Ray. In Tioga, y'all need to go visit the flea market. So anyway, (laughs) I'm over there, and we're chit-chatting. And I didn't even bring the subject up. She was talking about Jimmy Swaggart's ministry. And I said, I know we were watching him on TV, and we we saw Donnie preaching how he looks just like his daddy, and we were chit-chatting about that. And, and she says, yeah, and my mama had given me that Bible that they offer for Christmas. I was like, really? That Bible looks so interesting. She says, oh, well, I'll lend it to you, and you can keep it as long as you like. So by Sunday, I had that Bible. I was like... Now, what are the odds of that? I mean, how did that conversation even go that way? Isn't it amazing how God orchestrates certain things? Even if I would have brought that conversation up, who's to say that she would even know what I'm talking about, you know? And so it was just amazing how God just gives you all these little desires of your heart, and I'm having the best time with that Bible. I love it. I don't know if you're going to get that Bible back. But anyway, he gives you the desires of your heart. And so the word desire is composed of two words. They, which our Spanish-speaking people know what they means of. And sire means father. Remember in the medieval movies, the priest was always called the sire, you know, the desire. Desire means all the desire is of the father. That's what that word means. So because we've been fellowshipping with God the Father then he gives me my desires. That's how that works. But if I'm fellowshipping with bitterness and unforgiveness, then my desires become evil desires. See how that works? You will get the desire of your heart. If you're fellowshipping with good, your desires will bend towards the good. 
But if you're fellowshipping with bitterness and unforgiveness, your desires will be evil. And you will grit your teeth and you'll say, I just hope something bad happens to See? See how that evil desire begins to take place. And we don't need to do that. In Proverbs 13, 12, I'll just quote this. It talks about the de- when the desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. And in John 16, 24, it says, uh, it talks about that your joy may be full. That's a familiar scripture. Joy may be full. Well, how can we have our joy in a full measure? Answered prayers. Answered prayers does more for your joy bucket than anything else. But you have to pray a prayer before you can have a prayer answered. You see, a lot of times we're not praying and so nothing's happening and we're void of joy. But when we pray and God answers It's an overwhelming joy that comes on us. There's nothing that can compare to when God answered my prayer. I prayed and God answered. It brings such joy. Uh, Your joy of having that answered prayer goes into the depths of your soul and it springs up from there into victory. And that's what victory is. Victory is when your joy is full from an answered prayer and you get a breakthrough. You break out into victory. Amen? Amen. And the joy of the Lord is a contagious thing. Because whenever Mary went to visit Elizabeth, it said that the baby leapt, leapt in her womb. That's how contagious joy is. Amen? When we have joy, we become a happy people. And guess what? Happy people make good friends because nobody wants to be friends with somebody that's not happy. So if we can be people of prayer and people of answered prayer, we will have joy. If you want joy in your life, that's where you need to start. And joy is contagious. You want friends? Be full of the joy of the Lord. And that draws people. Amen? Let me read something to you. Um, This is the friend that I would like to be. And this is the kind of friend I like to have. I'm going to read this to you. It says, Oh, the comfort, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person. Having neither to weigh thoughts, nor measure words, but pouring them all right out, just as they are, certain that a faithful hand will take them and sift them, keeping what is worth keeping, and with a breath of kindness, blow the rest away. Isn't that good? Not being judged, just being able to be me, be free, not be so reserved. That would be wonderful to have a friend like that, somebody that wouldn't judge you the wrong way. Do you ever leave the presence of somebody and you think, I hope they didn't think that when I said this that I meant such and such. And that will torment your mind. Amen? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't judge one another and we were free to be who we are? Amen? And by the way, if you ever wonder about what somebody said, ask them what they meant 
it's okay. Instead of being upset and angry and letting a relationship die, go ask them, what did you mean when you said this? You know, I didn't un- understand what you, where you were coming from. It's okay to ask in love. Amen? If you've had some relationships, some good friendships that you lost, don't be a fool and lose the ones you got that are good. Amen? Anyway, I just want you to be blessed. I do. I want you to find friends. I want you to bond with one another. I want you to grow in the love of the Lord. And most of all, Jesus is a friend that will never let you down. And he's a friend that always sticks around. He promised never to leave us alone, never to leave us helpless, and never to leave us without support and that strength that we need. Amen? The Lord bless you tonight. I'm glad that you were here. I had fun talking to my friends tonight, and we love you, and we just bless you. You know what bless means? Bless means to be fully satisfied. And I just speak a blessing on your lives, that you be fully, fully satisfied. Amen? The Lord bless you. If if anybody needs prayer, we'd be glad to pray with you. You're dismissed. Love y'all.